Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast. My name is Brad. That's Stevs over there. And uh, there's been a couple of baseball things going on. We're heading into All-Star Weekend. The draft, the Futures game, the Home Run Derby, that's the that's the real star of the show. And the All-Star game, of course. But, you know, we're halfway through the season. A lot has changed, especially since our preseason predictions. Going to go over those at some point in the next coming weeks. Going to talk about what's going on. Kind of give a recap of what teams have done. And today, we're just we're going over the landscape of baseball. We do have the trade deadline approaching. This is going to be a pretty packed month of baseball, and I'm kind of excited to get at it. How are you doing today, Stubbs? I'm excited to talk about it, too. So, I mean, we again, like you said, we got pretty much a stack kind of couple weeks here. Obviously, the draft is on Sunday. Um the all-star games coming up, the future stars coming up, which they're like pushing the future stars game. I don't remember them pushing it as much as they have been. Um, but like every time like I log on to like Instagram or something, I see like these are the stars that have been in the futures game from 2011, 2021, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then obviously the home run derby had Juan Soto winning it last year um, and then getting traded. So could we see that happen again? I highly doubt it, but we'll find out. Ah, and this, it's a good weekend to get – it's a good break for some regular season baseball. It's a good reset point. Obviously, we already see some guys backing out of the All-Star Game Church, get some rest, whatever it may be, injuries, things in between there. It happens. It's baseball. But it's also – it's a good time to showcase the multi-dimensional, multi-dimensionality of Major League Baseball – we're going to see the best prospects in the game. We're going to see the future prospects, guys that might be stars on your team if they go to a World Series. Homer Derby, it is, as I said, the star of the show and the All-Star game, which is fun. You get mic'd up moments. But I honestly think that's the most lackluster part of the weekend is actually the All-Star game itself. I can agree with that. Um, it's it's the future stars game or the, the All-Star game um, that are bottom. You also have the celebrity game. You can't. Can't forget that when you have Joja Siwa pulling up and hitting dingers. So hey, she played high school softball. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, my favorite was when when it was in Washington. Bill Nye the Science Guy played. That mm. that was that was top tier. Yeah. Uh Bill Nye. If you watched Bill Nye in grade school, props to you. Bill Nye was where it was at. I understood him better than any teacher I ever had. So hopping into some baseball things. The first thing kind of just want to talk about real quick is after the Rays lost tonight to the Atlanta Braves, they have not won a game in the month of July, and they have not been a great team since the month of April. They've kind of been an average team. Run differential is still there. Uh, they have the highest expected win-loss in all of baseball. Are they still the favorites of the American League East, or is there a rising Baltimore-Toronto team right on their tail? Well. I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? And we were like, will they remain at the top of the power rankings throughout the rest of the season? And I think like I looked at their schedule and I was like, I, I could see a possibility of this happening. And and the, Bra- the Braves just took over at the top of the power rankings. So they got knocked off and went to second. Six games in a row, six straight losses in a row is, is not a good look, right? Especially when Baltimore, they are, so the Rays are three and seven in the last 10. Baltimore's four and six. The Blue Jays are six and four. And then, uh, and so are the Red Sox and the Yankees are five and five. It, it, it's not a good look when everyone else is kind of slowly creeping up on you. Um, and you are only on a decline since, since April, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Baltimore's three and a half back. I definitely could see a possibility when they, where they take over. Um, but I 
think it's going to have to be a, like a, a second half surge that really pushes them through. Like they, they see it and they know, Oh, the, the big rays that we got to go after them and, and this will be the time to do it. I, I agree with that. I think it's also a matter of fact that the Orioles knock on wood, haven't gotten hit too hard with the injury bug this year. And the Rays have the Rays get hit with it every year, and they're down to scraps in a starting rotation right now. Like right now, their starting rotation is Tyler Glass now, who's really like no, it was hand cramps. Um, Tyler Glass now, Taj Bradley, Zach Eflin, who's been really solid for them, Yanni Chirinos. They've got an entire starting rotation on the IL, uh, most of which are out for the season. They have Shane McClanahan on the IL with back tightness. That's not a recipe for success, but that's not in the grand scheme of things the biggest deal obviously you don't want that happening to your guys obviously they got a stack bullpen good lineup but they seem vulnerable for the first time this year yeah i mean i agree with that it it, it sucks because we we talk about it and we talked about it, I think, at the beginning of the season when they were on this like the undefeated record like streak that they had and we were like if if this is the team they have throughout the rest of the season they're they're pretty much golden but again like we say every year the injury bug hits them and, and they get hit. They've gotten hit really, really hard. Um, I'm just happy Wander Franco is still out there and still, you know, playing at a high level. And that's kind of what we expected of him whenever he's able to stay on the field and not getting benched because he's being uh, a jerk, for lack of a better term, to his teammates. He's been pretty good this year. He's been our shortstop. If you haven't listened to the April through June monthly awards, he's been that guy. He's been in contention every month. He's, you know, if it wasn't for Shohei, he could be in the MVP conversation. He racks up war. He plays good defense at shortstop. He's, you know, on all parts of the ball offensively, including stealing. Not much in the power department, but a good breakout year that kind of a lot of people saw on a healthy Wander Franco. And it's an interesting team is the Toronto Blue Jays right now. They just had Alec Manoa come back tonight. And I think a lot of their future for the season actually ride or dies on what he does. Uh, tonight's start was pretty good. But if it's not him, they have Kevin Gossman, who's been an ace. He has been competing and is in contention for Style Young right now just because no one's really stepped up. Uh, Chris Bassett's been exactly what we expect of Chris Bassett. Jose Barrios has gotten back on his lucky lucky side of baseball that he had been operating on for his entire career before last year. Yusuke Kikuchi's been iffy. Mitch White's not really stretched out. So they really need Alec Manoa to be that guy or else they're going to have to go into whatever's left of their farm system, maybe call up Ricky Tiedemann if he ever gets healthy, and find a starting pitcher. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Uh, Manoa's success, which has been very, very far, um, he has not been successful thus far this season. Um is really what's going to drive this team. But I think the shaky, shaky starting rotation is, was always their concern and, and as well as, as uh, defense, outfield defense. And they addressed both of those concerns, I think, pretty decently in the offseason. Um, and, I mean, it's showing dividends. I mean, right, they're third, they're third in the hardest division in baseball, right? They're 49 to 40. That puts them, what, first place in the central – second in the west in the al and then they'd be third in the nl east first in the nl central and then second in the al east or al west or nl west jesus christ it's the exact opposite <laughs> so i mean 
they're they're putting good teams out onto the field, and that's really what matters. I agree. It's just right now they're not in the playoff picture. I you know they just went in with the win tonight, and they came over the Yankees. They did enter the playoff race tonight. Um, there's teams not going to like the as we've talked about many times. The American League playoff race is very heated, and a team you're going to hear a lot about over the next month might have just fallen out of contention in the Los Angeles Angels. Over a three-day stretch over the past week, they lost Mike Trout to a broken hamate bone, which he already got surgery for. He's going to be out four to eight weeks, which is a bit of a range. That's one to two months. Anthony Rendon fouled the ball off his foot, but that's not really different. They always have him injured. But they, in turn, they don't have Gio Urshela to take his place. And Shohei Otani had to leave a game with a blister, which means we probably won't see him in the All-Star game on either hitting or pitching. I mean, they had such a stretch, and you, they were looking like a, a solid team top to bottom. And it just was – it's blow after blow after blow now. And mm. I don't really know what what their next step is, right? Because I think we've all come to the conclusion they're not going to trade Shohei. I don't think they're going to. Um, so it's really – do you – did what you did at the beginning of this season show him – that there is a possibility that we can put together a, a competitive team for the next season, the next couple seasons, or is it, is he gone? The Which, thing I heard was you could trade him and talk to him about trading him. And you'd be like, Hey, we're trading you because we don't think we can compete this year. But if we trade you, we think we can get a prospect or two that we can help build around you with. So when you hit free agency come November 4th or whatever day it is, we we want to be the first team that calls you. We will have an offer ready for you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and every time, every, every single time, like a team trades a player, like I always think like somewhere, somewhere up the chain, they've talked to that player and been like, so this is what we're going to do, right? We're going to trade you, get some prospects and you can come back we'll have an offer sheet ready for you, right? Like that's kind of what happened uh, when the, the Cubs acquired Roldis Chapman, right? He went there and then he went right, the Yankees trade him and he went right back to the Yankees, right? Mm -hmm. So I always I always feel like that's just a, a possibility somewhere that, oh, if you want to come back, we're, we're welcome to have you back, right? Um, So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them, right? I wouldn't think it's like out of the realm of possibilities, but I don't know. I need to look at the free agency class, right? Because if they could sign somebody big outside of obviously Shohei, then I mean that would be really, really good. It's not a deep class. I mean, pitching wise, you could get you could get um God, what's his name? Aaron Nola, Urias. Nola. I don't think starting pitching is their issue though. If I'm going to be no, I think it's well, yes, bullpen, but it's health and consistently putting out the best lineup. Do you think? Do you think that the White Sox let Liam Hendricks walk? Well, he's a 2025 free agent. If he doesn't he's accept a, 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 club, he's a club yeah, it's a, I mean, he might not be on the White Sox to have that option. I guess that's fair. Um, um Josh I, Hader's unrestricted. I'm just looking at relief pitchers. They're not a Josh Hader away from being an actual team. 
because as long as the Houston Astros are existing, like the Houston Astros have proven that without their top players, without half their starting rotation, they're still in a playoff spot. So they're going to be in the equation no matter what. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like it's not of lack of trying, right? The the Angels front office has has been they've been going out and trying to put players around them. I just don't think I think every time they do something, it's like it's like one step forward and then 10 steps back due to injuries or Mike Trout, oh my god, or whatever, right? Mhm. I get that. I think it's also you have to take into account where they where they're competing because right now if they were 45 and 44 in the national league they would be four games out of a playoff spot in the american league at that record they're at four they're four games out of okay they're same difference in both leagues which is actually nice to see that the national league has started to catch up um that that's actually a very good thing it's just I think there's more in the tank for Seattle. I think Texas is going to cool down a little bit, but in turn, Houston might heat up. I don't think the Angels compete this year. And if they don't make the playoffs and Shohei Otani goes to another team, they become a laughingstock because you got nothing for him. So... Speaking, sorry, this popped into my head because Stephen A. Smith said that the the Los Angeles Angels are basically the most irrelevant baseball team, right? And and I I just I just don't I don't understand that, um, like at all. It just it just annoys me because like I mean you're I guess to to an extent right he is right they are kind of like a a they are irrelevant to in a sense but also they're not the most irrelevant when you compare them to the dodgers yes they're irrelevant but they also have two of the top players in the league right Mm -hmm. i think it's Um, also the fact that Stephen a smith is out of touch with baseball he doesn't know what's going on he referred to them as los angeles angels of anaheim which hasn't been their team name since 2016 so i take everything he says about baseball with a grain of salt but i do understand where he's coming from yeah, sorry, I'm reading his. So, oh, who cares? Stephen Smith said when a co-host noted that Anthony Rendon is injured, I wish him well. I'm against him. I'm against him being healthy or whatever. Uh, but the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, no one cares about you. No one. I don't even know. I've been in LA quite often. I never hear about. I never hear anybody talking about the Angels. We love driving by the stadium. It looks really nice. No one cares. You're irrelevant. Period. It's just I, I just I disagree with nearly everything he said in that in that statement because I mean I guess I like right I'm not a Dodgers fan I don't live in LA so I, I don't have that kind of internal debate with myself when I was growing up okay Dodgers fan calm down um but but I like the Angels I think the Angels are a very very good ball club right they have two of the top players in the league they they just get bit with the injury bug often and or they just have incompetent coaching like that's like i don't know i just i like the angels i think stephen a smith needs to you know if you want if they want to talk about baseball get people that know what they're talking about right i mean on a side tangent espn just never talks about baseball they will put on anything they'll put cornhole 
they opened yeah. cornhole on before baseball. It's also the fact that the Angels finally got major league average guys, not replacement level players as the backups. And if this team dissipates into something, they're going to be right around average, which not surprising, but yes, I don't think that I think it would almost be worse if they kept Shohei Otani and finished at 500 than it would be if they traded him and finished at 76 and 86, something like that with the idea of him coming back and there being prospect capital around him. Because as far I'm 99% certain, I'll have this in front of me, so I'm not, not quoting correctly, but they have no prospects. They have Logan Ohapi, who's injured. They have Edgar Cuaro, who's also a catcher. They have that draft where they took 18,000 pitchers, and I don't think any of them are major league level or high level prospects. Yeah, they only have two top 100 guys, and they're both catchers. Los Angeles. I mean, who do you think they? Who do you think buys on Shohei right now, though? Like, so let's say they do trade him out, and they get a couple prospects back in return. What? What are do you think are suitable locations for him? Right, Seattle. They got a lot of young pitching talent. That's I think that's mm-hmm. what the Angels would want. They've got top one hundred guys. They got Bryce Miller. They've got Brian Wu. They've got Logan Gilbert, who I think might actually be a good piece to move at this trade deadline because he is not a guy in your team's future. So uh, I know we've talked about it, but I want to hear what you think about about Baltimore. Baltimore going out and getting him. The thing is, if the Angels are being smart, which I'm not even entirely convinced they will be, they need to get pitching, right? And Shoyatani is a pitcher, but he's a pitcher that maybe will throw 160 innings this year, and especially with the blister. But it's also the Angels need pitching prospects. The Orioles don't have pitching prospects to give up. And I think they're so meticulous with how they've done this rebuild that I don't think they're the type of organization to go after a Shohei Otani to be the final piece of their puzzle because I don't think he fits. Yeah. I think a starting – I think an Aaron Nola fits perfect. I've said it sevenfold over the past year that I think Aaron Nola is a perfect fit in Baltimore. And I agree with that too. Like if um, the Dodgers were to spend on a free agent this offseason, not named Shohei Otani, even though I don't want them to, I think Aaron Nola would be a really good bet because even if he's not going to pitch to a, you know, a low twos ERA, he has thrown 200 innings or almost 200 innings every season since 2018. He has thrown the most innings in baseball outside of Garrett Cole since 2018. You need major league innings. And there's a lot of value in that, especially when they're quality innings. Him and Zach Wheeler, Nola this is, they both have better FIPS, better expected ERAs, better expected FIPS than their ERAs, and it's a testament to the Phillies defense and Citizens Bank ballpark. So do with that what you please, but I think the Orioles save their prospect capital for a pitcher that they can have for a longer period of time, even if it means – like. Dealing a bigger guy like a Heston Kierstad or Jordan Westberg, even if it means trading one of those guys, if you get a guy who will be with your team for championship runs for a couple of seasons, I think they're more likely to do that than a rental. Yeah. I'm just trying to 
Because the Mets, obviously, I, I don't see a way the Mets go in. I want to see them sell. I think selling at the deadline would be actually smart for the Mets. I agree. And I think, but I think a soft sell. Yeah, not like not like everybody, like like a trade Scherzer. What else do they have? On there? I, mean, I was prepping a trade deadline sheet earlier. Um, the names I put on it were Max Scherzer, Carlos Carrasco, Mark Canna, and okay. David Robertson. Okay. Like David Robertson has been really start really solid this year. He's only on a one year contract. There's a lot of value there, and teams will spend a good amount of money for that. And Steve Cohen has said, "Hey, I will cover some of the money if you increase the prospect capital." Yeah. So, I, know, I think I think this is going to be a good deadline for the Yan- or for the Mets, um, in a prospect sense, not in a buying sense. I agree. I think it's also a good opportunity if there are some guys who are available that are 2026, 2027 free agents or 2025s, maybe even fours that you'd like to extend. Yeah. This is a good deadline to get a little bit active because on this mock up I did, I think I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 potential sellers with an asterisk because I have the Yankees trading away Josh Donaldson as a possibility, but they're not really sellers. Um, I think that there's a lot that could go on at this trade deadline, and a lot of it has to do with the next month because we've talked about the Padres being a disappointment. We've talked about the Cardinals. We've talked about the Mets all being disappointments, and there was a time when it was May, and we are like, yeah, they'll turn it around. They'll get here, but it's crunch time right now. Like You got to figure out who you are at this point. You have three weeks because by the 28th, you should know are you selling or are you buying at the deadline? And as of right now, the Padres and Mets are five games under 500. The St. Louis Cardinals are 15 under. And I'm not even entirely convinced they're going to be the one that sells. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be a very interesting deadline. Like, I don't think it's going to be a 2021 type of deadline where it's just like multiple teams are just fire sailing, but. Is there any team that might fire sale? I think the White Sox would be the fire sale team. Yeah. They're also 15 games below 500. They have said that everyone is available. Um, yeah, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be them. I On my I sheet... Pitts, Pittsburgh will sell off a couple pieces. I could see St. Louis selling off a couple pieces. But I don't think St. Louis would do a fire sale. I think it would be a soft I'm, yeah, sell. Yeah, I'm just going through. For the White Sox, the White Sox, I had Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, Mike Clevenger, Liam Hendricks, Tim Anderson, and Ronaldo Lopez. Yeah. Like, those are, what is that? That's eight guys. You can probably rack in 16, 17 prospects, and you could, you know, help your really bad farm system. Yeah. Because I think, do you think they sell? Did, did Tim Anderson doesn't he isn't his contract up or is he almost up or did he just extend? He has a club option. I want to say I have it on here. He, yeah, he's a twenty twenty four club option. Was he one of the names you said? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. I just didn't hear. Um, I could definitely see that. I could see him getting moved. I could see a team liking that. Um, 
on if you if you go to the shared episode notes folder, there might uh, or might not there. be a trade deadline document that I might have spent an hour and a half on today because I was bored. Yeah. Um, teams that need shortstops, I put the Dodgers are a really good buyer. The sure. Marlins are a good buyer there. Um, middle infielders, the Mariners, the Rays. I think that there's a couple teams that could really use a Tim Anderson, especially maybe you're a team that's on the verge of competing and you've got a lot of outfield depth. I'm trying to think of a team that might be like that. Um, team on the, I mean, there's not many that have that mold because right now it actually seems like there's a plethora of infield talent. The Orioles have that problem. The Reds have that problem. The guardian or the, Cardinals, excuse me, might be able to work in a three-team trade or something where they get a starting pitcher, they send an outfielder somewhere, and Tim Anderson goes to a team that has a lot of infielders, something of that nature. I think it'd be kind of interesting. I think that there's a lot of possibilities that could go on at this deadline. I Again, it, de- it really depends on what these teams do do over the next couple of months. Cause I think there are teams that are on the fence right now. I think, as we said, the Padres, the Cardinals, the Mets all on the fence. I think Colorado, I mean, Colorado for sure. They've actually already started selling the nationals for sure. The pirates at this point, for sure. Those are all the sellers in the national league for sure. At this point, Oakland, they don't have anything to sell. They're not even on this sheet, Kansas city. It says it, your, your notes are just sell the team. Yeah, I know. Um, The Tigers, probably the White Sox are like the guaranteed sellers of the American League. This is a a great sheet, Brad. Thank you. Um, For reference, the Asclepius is the Greek god of healing, and the Red Sox and Giants have that. Okay. I I was going to ask, but I was going to ask off air. Yeah. Uh, It's the Greek god of healing. They're both like riddled with injuries right now. That's fair. Contact, ironic. Yeah, because uh-huh. they traded away Luisa Rise. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of pieces that a lot of teams are going to move. The Royals, the Royals, and the Tigers are two very interesting teams. I think, at least in my opinion. I think um, that there's a lot that can be moved from the Royals, especially after the Dodgers series. Watched the series; they had a couple good bullpen arms. It was Scott Barlow and. Trying to remember who the other one was. Pulling up the roster right now, just so I have it in front of me. It was Scott Barlow, and I don't remember who the other one was, but they had two really good relievers that just came out and were able to knock down the Dodgers pretty repeatedly. And I'm surprised the Dodgers weren't looking there and they're like, oh, yeah, you know what? Like, let's grab these guys while we can. But it's also, if you look at the sheet, I don't have the Dodgers top three things they need as relief pitching because they have an entire injured list of a bullpen that is yeah. supposed to be coming back at some point. They're an interesting team because they need a lot. Um, Sorry, this is just a Nats question. Do you think they trade Lane Thomas? I don't think they're going to move him. No, I don't think they will. I just think it'd be okay. – it's a good name to shop around. Yeah, and just see like what you get, especially since you really only gave up. But we traded the corpse of John Lester. That's what we got. We and he actually was really good in in St. Louis, uh, twenty twenty one. 
Lane Thomas under team control for two and a half more seasons this year and two more. It's just the thing I wonder about him is unless they can get him signed to a contract, which they might, like they that is definitely a possibility of things that could occur. I could if, see like a K-Bert type of deal. Like I don't think he does that because he's farther down the line. Fair. It's just if he – I don't think he's a part of the next good Nationals team because after watching how the Nationals played this year, and we can talk about them a little bit if you'd like, I think that they have more questions than answers right now. And yes, yeah. there's going to be a lot of questions after the season, but – I we cook on him all the time, but CJ Abrams is like a genuinely huge question mark right now because I don't think it's playable at this point. He's uh, I saw a stat and since like June 16th or something like that, so about a month ish, a little less than that, like three weeks, mm-hmm. he's been batting like 296 with, with pretty decent splits. His defense needs a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like the big thing. His on-base percentage is very low. I need to actually look this up. But no, it's two eighty six. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of pieces that he. There's a lot of things he needs to work out and fix before we can call him a competent, not even competent. A, yeah, like a competent shortstop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, he's putting bats a ball. And, and I don't even know. I, I agree. I think he's he's the Nationals' biggest question mark. And to say to I mean to say to say I'm giving up on him yet. I I mean I'm obviously not because I'm not dumb. It's his first full season, and I mean if you gave up that on Josiah Gray after his first full season, you would have been. I mean he's had he's an All Star this year, and last year he gave up the most home runs in the in baseball. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I mean, there are things he will fix. I think new management will come hopefully next season, especially now since the the mass and dispute is over. And I, I think there will be kinks that are worked out, right? Mm-hmm. I agree there. I just look I look at the roster right now and I see just a lot of placeholders. Like Jaimer Candelario should be gone after the deadline. Maybe someone will buy Joey Manessas. I don't really think they should. Doubt it. Um, I, doubt, he, I doubt someone buys Manessas. I doubt somebody really buys Dom Smith. Corey um, Dickerson might get a little floater. Um, I could see like a D tier prospect for Corey Dickerson, which is more than nothing. Um, yeah, which but like, I would be okay with. I don't. Alex Call isn't part of the next good team. Like no. those are five guys in your lineup who aren't play, who are playing at the major leagues right now and will not be a part of the next good team. So I think that that raises some questions. James Wood has been good in the minor leagues. He's still a year or two away. He is really your biggest, like that is your make or break guy. Cause if he is a bust, the nationals are in danger, but I don't think he's going to be. Uh, I don't Brady- think, I don't think he's a bust. I'm worried about Elijah green. I agree. The swing and miss is a really bad thing right now. I'm worried about Hassel. We already talked about him. He is. We have talked about him. Yeah. And then I, I think Brady House will be good. I think James Wood will be good. I think Susana will be good. I liked his arm. I, I saw a bullpen video of him pitching the other day, Susana. I like the arm slot. It's a low three quarters. Think Paul Skeens a little bit. 
Uh, obviously, yeah. he's going to throw it hard. It just depends on if he falls into the Paul Skeen's fastball shape. I don't think the Nationals yeah. are the organization to fix that until maybe new regime. I uh, I I pray. Okay, so so sorry. This is gonna this is gonna morph into draft, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Clark, Clark is like a, the name that I think a lot of people have been hearing to go one mm-hmm. because the Pirates want to underslot, right? Mm-hmm. Save a little bit of money. I pray to God that isn't the that isn't what happens because I don't want them to have to pick between Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz because they're gonna pick Paul Skeens mm-hmm. and then we're gonna be the team that passed on on Dylan Cruz, right? Yeah, because Paul Skeens is we've talked about it. I don't think the Nats have at this point in time currently have the facilities to develop him further. I think yeah. we do have the facilities to develop Dylan Cruz a little more. I agree with that. I don't know how much more, but I think Dylan Cruz is already more major league ready. I think if you put Dylan Cruz in the major leagues next year, he wouldn't be necessarily good, but I think he could succeed to some degree. So I I want, I, I mean, again, I want Cruz. So I think that Max, I don't know. It's going to be one of the LSU guys or Max Clark that goes first. Yes. And if it's Max Clark, it'll be LSU 2-3, unless it goes Cruz 2, Langford or Jenkins 3, because the Tigers have some skepticism about like, hey, here's Paul Skeens. He was this guy who was super, super historically good in college. You take him and in September, you're like, hey, we're going to make this huge mechanical adjustment to fix your fastball. Like you don't tell a guy that and – you don't take that guy third and do that. And then say they take Langford, then Skeens goes to the Rangers and he might be in the major leagues this year. Yeah. So I think that's uh, interesting. I think the middle part of this draft is interesting. I feel so sorry for the team that drafts Jacob Wilson. It's going to be such a disappointment in three years. Um, yeah, he just he is not good. Yeah. Um. I. I again. I. I mean. My. Vo- my opinion's been pretty clear. Um. That I want. I want. Um. I want Dylan Cruz. I'm looking at. I saw. I saw a video or an article about Arjun Nimala. Mm-hmm, the um, first Indian-born. The first Indian-born player to possibly make uh, a major league roster. He's also he's only really seventeen. Cool yeah. Uh, it's it's something that I, I like. I always think about like because you don't really hear of of brown people like being in like uh, in the MLB, and I think that's just really cool and kind of a step in the right direction for 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 people of Indian or or descent like that. I agree. I think it's also like it might be a different type of athlete and that might be something that some organizations are a lot better at at capitalizing on. I think the Tampa Bay Rays would be an interesting, they don't have that. They have the 19th overall pick. So the odds he falls that far are not great because he's one of the the best prep shortstops in the draft. You got Colin Huck right next to him. Um, there's a good shortstop class coming out of college if you're looking for a college pitcher you're not in the right draft um that's where there might be a lot of underslot deals in this draft is just college arms getting taken a lot earlier than you'd expect them to so 
I think that might have some value. Just scrolling down a little bit, I like Colton Ledbetter. He's ranked number 49. He's out of Mississippi State. Uh, Brandon Sproat's a high volatility guy out of Florida. That's a arm. Ty Floyd was the guy who struck out 17 for LSU. He probably earned himself a good amount. The kid out of Stanford, whose name I'm blanking on, the lefty, has got a good offering. The kid threw 157 pitches, which I still don't think is a bad thing. Quinn Matthews, that's his name. Um, I It's not a great draft in terms of pitching, but if you know what you're looking for, if there's a certain tool that you really want and you know how to capitalize on it, you can get what you need out of this draft. I just think there's a lot of guys who might not sign because they fall too low for what they think themselves to be. Yeah. And I think that, I think I'll give you that. I think that's fair, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be a really fun draft. I think it, cause I remember we sat down and we watched it, we watched it last year. I mean, it was fun. And we watched it two years ago. So I think, I think it's going to be a fun draft to watch and, and see where everyone falls. Cause there's a lot of names that like you, you kind of just know off the top of your head. Especially if you paid attention to the college world series this year, there's a lot of representation there. Um, yeah. I think it was like, I forgot what the number was, but it was like 30 of the top 200 guys were in the college world series, which is really good for the sport of college baseball, college baseball aside. Like, it was the second, the final game three was the second most watched baseball game of the year besides the World Baseball Classic final, which probably won't be top for a couple of years. So I hope the draft gets a little bit more coverage, but it's not going to because it, it, the draft isn't going to get as much coverage just because there's a gap between when kids get drafted and when they see in the show. And that might, that's some of the interest of Paul Skeens in this is like, Hey, this guy might be in the major league is this year. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm interested in the draft. I think there's a lot of teams that could really capitalize on the draft. But the thing with the draft is so much of it after like the first six or seven picks becomes taking the best guy available. And that might contradict with like the Reds taking an 18th infielder, something of that nature i'm, I'm gonna say this and i know because you i mean i guess you watched the nba draft this year that's because only you were hanging out with us right i'm gonna th- i'm gonna say the mlb draft i like how it's set up better than the nba draft why because i want to i want to watch this shoes again so i'm not that's not gonna be a firm setup right but the, i just feel like the nba draft is just like the first the first five guys right and then you just don't really care about anybody else unless mm. there's like a name you're specifically looking like there's guys like through this draft that I'm going to be looking for to see where they fall. Right. Yeah. I, I just, I don't feel the same as I did or as, as like, like obviously the NFL does it better than anybody else. NFL draft is an absolute masterpiece. I just, I think when it comes to NBA or MLB, I'm going to take the MLB draft. So maybe I'll eat my words on Sunday, but we'll find out. I I know I'll be watching the draft for a majority of it because I actually have some stuff that is important to me as a result of the draft. Um, I just think that MLB has done, as you mentioned earlier, they've done a good job marketing the prospect or the future game, excuse me. They do a decent job marketing the draft like Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. They've been everywhere this year. 
if they keep doing a good job, Sunday gets a decent amount of viewership. And honestly, it'd be good for baseball if Paul Skeens kind of made it to the major leagues and this year yeah. with the Texas Rangers. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen. Right. If he's going to fall that far, but I'm trying to remember. I know, I know Zimmerman did it. Garrett Crochet. Garrett Crochet did it. Is he the latest? He's the latest. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's possible. I could definitely see it happening. I agree. I, I worry. But at the end of the day, whatever happens on Sunday happens. These kids get to go play Major League Baseball or have an actual attempt to play Major League Baseball. They're started in professional baseball. I mean, there'll be some guys that don't sign, some guys that go under slot. It'll be a bit hectic, but hey, your team might grab someone pretty good that might be on the next World Series team for your team, or you'll trade him for a really crappy deal and help you winning on that team and 1% the Atlanta Braves Foundation. If you have enjoyed, please consider leaving a rating or review, sharing this with a friend. We will be hopefully getting enough out this month. We're going to got it. We got to cover what happened in the all-star game. Probably talk about the draft if there was big news. If, you know, we still got to do our first half recaps. Biggest thing, the trade deadline. That's going to be coming up soon. We're going to stay talking about that a little bit. And probably within a week or two, we will have a full trade deadline preview. What we think is going to happen, what's going to happen in between, and what's going to happen with Shohei Otani, because that's a pretty big deal. So thank you all for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We'll see you all next time. Peace.